Welcome into another episode of Will's Wide World of Sports. On today's episode, I'm breaking down all my NBA award picks from Defensive Player of the Year to Rookie of the Year to, of course, MVP and the All-NBA teams uh, right after this. All right, I'm taping this part of uh, the podcast it's Tuesday afternoon here on the West Coast. The NBA season is finally over. I, I've sort of hesitated in, in talking about all the NBA awards because I think it's, I don't want to say pointless to talk about throughout the season. Obviously, I think it's important to have check-ins throughout, especially for the bigger awards, such as MVP and the others. But I think to really talk about who I'm picking, you know, I wanted to wait until the full season had, had run its course, which it has. Uh, I'm taping this before any of the play-in games, so, you know, whatever happens will happen. I, I know I've, uh, I'll do a, a reaction after them at the, at the top of this podcast, but I wanted to save this part just to talk about the regular season, because at the end of the day, all of these awards are regular season awards, so we can ignore everything that happens in the playoffs, and to a lesser extent, the play-in, which is, I guess, sort of in the middle, sort of gets lost, but I just wanted to spend the next little bit going over my picks for the awards. You know, they don't really mean anything. I'm not a voter or anything like that, but just on the record, so I can look back and, and see kind of where I thought the NBA season was with all these award picks. Uh, let's start with probably the easiest awards this year. Uh, probably none e- easier than than Rookie of the Year. We've known for months it's going to be Paolo Banchero. You know, you can argue Jalen Williams uh, of OKC, which I have second, and I have Ben Matherin third from Indiana. You know, there have been other rookies that have that have shown some promise. You know, Walker Kessler from Utah, Jaden Ivey from Detroit. But to me, Paolo's the easy pick. He's the runaway favorite to win the award. I know Jalen Williams, we all like him, and I think he's shown really good promise for OKC. But let's be honest, Paolo, he's, he doesn't even seem like a rookie. He plays so much older than he actually is. And the, the burden that he has in Orlando, I mean, he's the number one guy, along with Franz Wagner. But yet he's still averaging 20 a game as a rookie, as a 19, 20-year-old. So, to me, far and away, uh, the, the pick there. I don't want to spend too much time on it. The other one that I think is, uh, I don't know, pretty clear in terms of, you know, at least the number one selection, and that's Mike Brown uh, for Coach of the Year uh, for the Sacramento Kings. I, I know a lot of people liked the Kings in the preseason, but I, can you imagine the Kings not only making the playoffs, but being a three seed? And this isn't, you know, some fluke. 3C that they just kind of snuck in at the end. I mean, they've been either the 2 or the 3 seed almost the the last half of the year. Uh, they have a great team, not to take anything away from De'Aaron Fox, Demona Sabonis, and others. But uh, did we really see the Kings being a 3 seed? Did we really think that Mike Brown, as a first-year head coach for the Kings, you know, he's had stops other other places, hasn't really worked out, but then goes to Golden State, 
is on the bench in there, you know, just masterclass of coaching uh, that goes on there, is able to learn from Steve Kerr, is able to learn from others, and then goes to Sacramento and obviously something clicked. They had a great year. Expectations were what they were, but when you can deliver probably way higher than anybody ever expected, I think that's far and away the pick. A couple other names that I think deserve shout-outs. Um, I have Jacques Vaughn second. Uh, you know, he might not be the pick of others, but Jacques Vaughn is the, or I guess I should say was the interim coach for the Brooklyn Nets once Steve Nash was fired. And honestly, he's done, he's done really well considering circumstances. Just, just think of what Jacques Vaughn had to go through this year. So you start the year as an assistant coach. Does not start well. There's, I don't know if there's feuds or whatever with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Steve Nash. Nash gets fired. He's just kind of thrown in as an interim coach saying, okay, I don't know what's salvageable, but here just here's Kevin Durant, here's Kyrie Irving. You're going to have to deal with them. And with any superstar in this league, that's a tough thing to do to manage, you know, these, these egos of these superstars and be able to mesh well together. Was he great at doing it? Well, it started off well, but we all know how it ended. Kyrie Irving gets traded. A little bit later, Kevin Durant gets traded. And then all of a sudden, he's stuck with a bunch of what people thought were role players, but Mikael Bridges, who was the main return in the Kevin Durant deal, obviously a lot more than just a role player. And, you know, they weren't world beaters, but they hung around. And so Vaughn finished the season in the 75 games he coached, with, of course, the first seven being Steve Nash. He went 43 and 32, which, if you tell me everything that he went through, I think that's a really good job. And then the, the third pick for me, at least for Coach of the Year, is Mark Dagnalt, coach of Oklahoma City. I think they have a really compelling roster. Are they really a playoff contending roster? Uh, probably not. But I think he did a great job working with all the young players. SGA, which I'm sure we will talk about in a little bit. He had a great uh, step up this year. And they finished 40-42. and 42 which for a team that was rebuilding the last couple of years, I think is a big win. So credit to him as well. I think the only, probably, I don't know if I want to say as easy, but easy-ish pick uh, is sixth man of the year. I'm going to Manuel Quickly of New York. I think just the burden he had to carry some nights. You know, there, there were some nights that, that Jalen Brunson wasn't playing. And I mean, Quickly was their offense. So I know a lot of people are going to go Malcolm Brogdon. And I think for a lot of the year, he was probably the pick. But, and this means no offense to, to Brogdon. I think he was great and really important for the Celtics this year. He just, he just didn't have to carry the, the Celtics like quickly did the Knicks. The Celtics, most nights had Tatum and Brown. If one of them missed, they had, they had the other. They had Derek White. They had Marcus Smart to an extent. So, I, again, credit to Brogdon, and I think he's really important for the Celtics. 
come playoff time as well. But to me, I, I got to go quickly as my sixth man of the year. That brings me to, I guess, some of the harder choices. And surprisingly, one of them is Defensive Player of the Year. I have, I have Triple J. I have Jaron Jackson Jr. As, uh, as my selection for Defensive Player of the Year. But I, I think we should really highlight two guys, and I had them coming in second and third, and that's Evan Mobley and, and Drew Holiday of the, the Cavaliers and Bucks, respectively. I'll get to Triple J in a second, but Drew Holiday, to me, he's far and away the best on-ball defender in the league right now. Now, besides Marcus Smart, who won Defensive Player of the Year last year, on-ball defenders, they don't really get any love for Defensive Player of the Year, right? Because all the big guys, they're going to have the stats. They're going to have all the blocks, all the steals. They're going to have all the, the top contest numbers if you're looking at advanced stats. But just, just watch Drew Holiday play. I know the Bucks are probably going to go far this year in the, in the playoffs. Just watch his defense on the ball. And you'll notice, like, okay, it's, it's a lot different than everybody else. So I, I think he's very deserving. Not to say that the others aren't, but I just wanted to throw him in there uh, as, as my third selection. And the other one was Evan Mobley, who I, I don't really know how many people are talking about him. I've, I've tried to stay somewhat away from, from others' picks for all these awards just to kind of get my, as best I can, unbiased opinion, although it's, it's hard with all the rhetoric coming around, all these awards. But let me just throw a couple stats at you that I think would really, really push his case for winning Defensive Player of the Year. I think you have to start in your case is, is saying that Cleveland's the best defense in the league this year. Cleveland, again, by advanced stats, had the best defensive rating at just under 110. And I, I think that matters. Now you can say, okay, this is an individual award. He had Jared Allen. He had others. But I think the eye test backs up that number in that Yes, Cleveland had a good defense, obviously by their, their rating. But I think Mobley had to endure a lot of the responsibility. If you're talking individual stats, I think contested shots, which is a, a stat that's taken these days, because, uh, well, obviously any, pretty much any stat you want is, is collected. But I think contested shots is sort of a weird one. Brooke Lopez is far and away the, the leader. He's actually five ahead of the second place, so take that for what you want. But Evan Mobley's fourth. You know, he contests 11 shots a game. And if you put those two numbers together, both the, the team effectiveness on defense, but then also Mobley's individual contests, his individual contribution, I think that backs up what you see, you know, when you're actually watching the game. That's what your eyes tell you when you watch a Cleveland game is that, yes, there are other good defenders, but the way Mobley is able to, as a seven-footer, contest at the rim, but also be able to easily switch onto any guard while also helping recover some of his other teammates, 
he's young. He's still in his second year. He's almost certainly going to win Defensive Player of the Year at some point if he doesn't win this year. And that's part of the reason why people love him as, as one of the best young players in the league. His offense will come, but I think his defense this year deserves recognition, whether he actually wins it or not. Anyway, that, that brings me to who I think will be my pick, although it was close between him and Mobley, and that's, and that's Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. I guess the reasons to go against him is, is a couple things. One, he seems to foul a lot. And if you've watched him play at all in the last couple of years, especially in years past, he has trouble staying on the floor because he just fouls so much. You know, whether that's him still being relatively young and still learning how to properly play defense, you know, that, that might be one thing. Or it also could be that, you know, he goes for so many steals, he goes for so many blocks that he's just a little too aggressive and draws a lot of fouls. Either way, you know, I'd prefer him to stay on the court a little bit more than he has this year. He only, he only plays 28 minutes a game. Part of the reason is he's in foul trouble a lot. You know, of the, of the qualified players, the players that played enough games, he led the league just about three and a half fouls per game. He only plays 28 minutes a game. He missed about 20 games this year. But having said that, you know, it's hard not to go with him. When you average three blocks a game and a steal a game as a big guy, you know, there is obviously some limit, but at some point, I don't care that you foul as much if you're putting up those numbers. And I think the eye test backs it up. I don't think he's just a numbers guy. I do think he's actually one of the best defenders in the league. He hasn't won it before. We'll talk about that in MVP. That shouldn't necessarily be a factor, but I think it is. So despite some of the, I want to say negative stats, going against him. I still think he's the right pick, but I certainly wouldn't be opposed if you pick Mobley for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Going off of that, I just want to quickly do my two defensive team rankings. So first team, all defense. Second team, all defense. Uh, Obviously, the the three that I mentioned, Drew Holiday, best best on-ball defender. He's one of the guards. Evan Mobley, Triple J, the two forwards. You could put Triple J at center because he's more of a forward center, but uh, those are obviously the three. I have Brooke Lopez as my first team center. Now, these these teams, as we talked about uh, a couple episodes ago, these teams are going to be completely different moving forward because of the new CBA where it's positionless. So some of this, you know, arguing over, well, is is Triple J a forward? Is he a center? Like. Do we have to put Brooke Lopez on there? You know, these will be irrelevant come next year, but, well, that's still the rule this year, so we have to follow it. And I think Brooke Lopez is deserving. I didn't have him on my top three just because, you know, Drew Holiday, Giannis, who, spoiler alert, is on my second team all defense, and Brooke Lopez. It certainly helps when, when you have three really good defenders on the team. Not to take away anything from Brooke Lopez, who, like I mentioned, 
is far and away the leader for contested shots this year. So I think he's he's done a really good job at reinventing himself. Uh, the the other guard that I have on the first team is Alex Caruso. You know, the Bulls haven't been great, but statistically, you know, they've been decent on defense. And I think a lot of that is because of Alex Caruso. I don't think he's quite the same as Drew Holiday, but still, anybody that can be a, a pest and can really stay in front of somebody, I think is, sad to say, is a luxury these days. So I think he's deserving a first team uh, all defense. For, for second team, I, I mentioned Giannis. He's one of my forwards. Draymond Green is actually my, my second forward. I know some people are going to have him in their top three for Defensive Player of the Year. He's certainly one of the best defenders uh, of his generation. I, I just have a hard time giving somebody that credit when the Warriors were, have been so bad defensively this year. That's not necessarily to blame him, but I don't know. I can't give Defensive Player of the Year if you're on a team that's just been really bad defensively, even as great as he may, may have been. Uh, rounding out the five, I have Joel Embiid as my second team all-defense center. That will certainly be a conversation when we talk about MVP. And then I, I may be cheating a little bit, but again, if positions are somewhat futile in the NBA, I think you could classify these guys as guards on defense because they guard a, a lot of the guards, you could say. Uh, and that's Herb Jones and Jaden McDaniels. Specifically, Jaden McDaniels, I, I really wanted to get him uh, on the ballot. I think he, despite being 6'8", guards a lot of the, the, the smaller players, the quicker players for the Timberwolves, and I think is really deserving. I think he's turned in, into a, a great young defender, and I think he's really deserving of this, uh, this spot. Uh, that, I think, brings me to the, the big one. Uh, I'm going to do MVP first, and then I'll finish out with the all-NBA teams, the first, second, and third team. I'll just, I'll just come right out and say it. I have Embiid as my MVP. And I think, again, from some of the rhetoric that I've heard the last few weeks, I think that's what most people are going to land on. And honestly, I'd, I'd be shocked if he doesn't win MVP at this point. I have Jokic second and Giannis third. Those three are definitely the pick, I think, in any order. You could make an argument. You could certainly make an argument for Giannis. He's still one of the best players, if not the best player, in the NBA. You know, people are probably a little bit bored, just like they were of LeBron in his heyday. He's still one of the best defenders. He's consistently uh, brought it to uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. And, and they've earned a one seed. So, uh, you know, the package is there. So if you want to pick him, uh, certainly go ahead. I think the harder one is Jokic, or I guess the, the more interesting conversation is Jokic. He finished the year 24 and a half points, just under 12 rebounds, and just under 10 assists. He ended up at 9.8. So, uh, you know, this close to averaging a triple-double, which, you know, Westbrook may have made that less impressive but i mean averaging a triple double for the season is still not nothing so he came you know that close to doing it he's on the number one seed in the west he's 
stats-wise and efficiency-wise, one of the best offensive players we've probably ever seen, at least when it comes to, you know, the advanced stats. I think the problem is, and I don't, I don't know if it should be a problem, but I think the problem is people see that he won the last two and say, does he really need to win three in a row? You know, is this another Larry Bird situation? Is this another Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain? You know, those are, the, those are the names that he would be in if he won three MVPs. Because up until this point, Russell, Wilt, and Larry Bird are the only three ever to win three MVPs in a row. So it, it shouldn't affect it because this should be an MVP for this year. Literally just saying who was the most valuable player this year. But it's so hard not to think of that. It's so hard to say, okay, Embiid and Jokic are so close. Like, what could be the differentiator? And I think, even if I won't admit it, totally, even if other voters won't admit it, that's going to be a factor. It's going to be in the back of their mind. So that leads me to Embiid, who is my pick. I think he's been better this year than he's ever been before. I think if you look at the numbers, you know, he averaged 33 points a game, leading the league as a center. I think if you watch him and watch some of his games, and specifically some of his performances, not only when it mattered most in big games, but also when it came down to, you know, last minute, it's, it's in the clutch. They need a bucket. They need something to happen. He's been one of the best players this year. And I think storyline is a huge factor in MVP. I think he's, he's done a great job at whether he'd like to admit it or not. Making the case clear that he should be the MVP. Whether it's peaking at the right time, whether it's you know a good performance, well, actually a, a dominant performance against Jokic and Denver you know, a month or two ago. It's, it's become pretty clear that he's going to be the pick, I think, maybe a month ago or even like two weeks ago. This was a debate. Like People were going back and forth. But like I said at the beginning, I, I would be shocked if Embiid's not the pick at this point. That leads me to uh, my, my all-NBA teams, which I'll finish out with. First team center is obviously going to be Embiid. Next year, we won't have to deal with the issue of Embiid and Jokic having to fight for the first team. You know, they can both be on the first team. But right now, Embiid, I have my first team center. I have Giannis uh, as, my second, as my first team forward, uh, joined by Jason Tatum, who I think all year has been one of the best players and on one of the best teams. So I think he was the easy pick. The guards are a little bit more interesting. I ended up going with Luka and SGA, Shea Gildas-Alexander from Oklahoma City. Now, both, both players finished under 500. Dallas, uh, even more so, was really disappointing this year. And I think Luka in particular was somebody I really was about to push to second team. Not because of his stats, because if you look at his stats, 
just like he's been. Uh, they're amazing. He finished just behind uh, Embiid at 32.5 points a game. Eight and a half rebounds, just under eight, uh, or just at eight assists. You know, putting up 32, eight, and eight, that's an insane season. Maybe a little bit less efficient than he's been in the past, but still a great offensive player. The problem is his defense, and I think for me, even more importantly, I think the problem is his leadership. I don't even know if I want to put it that way. But I don't think you can really deny that everything that's gone wrong with Dallas, obviously some, if not a lot of the blame has to go to him. So I I really wanted to push him to second team just for that reason, but just trying to look at it as as an individual award, I think still his season, despite all the the drama, uh, was worthy of that. So I hope it's a wake-up call for Luka, but I'm still going first team for him. Uh, that leaves second team. I'm putting Curry as one of my second team guards along with Donovan Mitchell. I think as, as much as I talked about Mobley uh, for Defensive Player of the Year, I think Mitchell's been obviously the most important player for the Cleveland Cavaliers this year. As, as much as I love their team, I think everything starts with him. I think he would be my pick for first team All-NBA uh, if I didn't go with Luka. So I think... He's a pretty clear second team choice. And then Curry, he, he missed a decent amount of time. But I think what he did when he was back, you could argue he's better than ever. So I think even though he missed a bunch of games, he's, he's the pick there. The, the forwards is interesting because I think, relatively speaking, a little bit, a little bit weaker than the guards. I have Jimmy Butler as one of the forwards. Miami's had a, an up and down year, to say the least. But I, I, I continue to think he's underrated. Again, people sleep on Miami, and, and maybe sleep isn't the right term because, honestly, they haven't been great this year anyways. But I think what he's done, just night after night, continuing to bring it, no matter what happens with the rest of the team, I think is is deserving uh, as a second team spot, and then I I don't I I don't know if I can really put him at at forward. He's been a forward in the past, but he's primarily a center now. I don't know if I would put him here if you know forward was a, a stronger position. I don't think I would put him here if if he was a guard. And, and competing with all the guards. But I'm going to go Anthony Davis uh, as a forward. Yes, he missed time, but he ended the year at 56 games. So he played, you know, a good two-thirds of the season. And honestly, he's been one of the best players in the league. He had the stretch before he got hurt where people were like, whoa, is this Anthony Davis? like the, the Anthony Davis that we saw from a couple of years ago. And then he got hurt and, and all, the, all the things came out of, okay, of course he got hurt, yada, yada, yada. But now he's come back without LeBron with this retool Lakers team. And while he hasn't maybe been MVP level dom- dominant, 
he's still, you know, night to night, one of the 10 best players in the league. So you back that up with him finishing at, at 26 points, 12 and a half rebounds, two blocks and a steal uh, average per game, which the only other players to do that this year was Jaron Jackson Jr., who, of course, uh, was my pick for Defensive Player of the Year. So when you put that stat line with the eye test, I know I'm cheating a little bit putting him at forward, but I think he was deserving whether or not he actually makes it this year. And then, of course, uh, rounding out the second team, Jokic I had as my second team center, obviously right behind Embiid. And then quickly, my third team, uh, all NBA. De'Aaron Fox, he, I think, almost has to be on one of these teams. The Kings are a three seed for a reason. And I think him and Demonis Sabonis, who I have also on my third team as the third team center, they both kind of shared the responsibility, but I think they're both really the catalyst for why the Kings are as good as they are. They're one of the best teams in the NBA. They probably have the best offense, or at least one of the best offenses, and it's because of those two. So combine that with, with Fox's clear and away best performance in a clutch scenario. So I think th- those two are certainly deserving. For, for, my third te- for my second guard on the third team, I, I think I'm going to go John Morant. I, I really want to put Drew Holiday on this list. I, I talked about him in, in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation. Just because of his, his two-way ability. But I think despite everything that went on with Jaw this year, he still put up the numbers. Memphis was still one of the best teams when he played. So I think, again, it, I, I guess ignoring you know all that happened to him kind of late in the year, he still played 60 games. So it's not like he missed a ton of the, the season. So I think he, he has to be on my list as much as it pains me to, I guess, put him over some of the guards, which I'll mention in a second. My two forwards, I'm going to put Jalen Brown uh, as one of my forwards. He's someone that really needs this. He's somebody that has literally $100 million on the line if he's an all-NBA player. So I think, you know, that didn't sway me, but obviously is, is good news for him if he actually makes it. He's been the second best player on one of the best teams this year. And I think can go toe-to-toe with Jason Tatum on any given night. So he's certainly deserving. And then I have Julius Randle uh, from the New York Knicks uh, as my last forward and last spot on the team. He's just consistent. I, I would rather have Jalen Brunson, but he was one of the ones that got stuck with all the good guards. So I think somebody on the Knicks has to be on this team. and. Not to put anything, you know, against Julius Randle. I think anytime he averaged 25 points, 10 rebounds, it's a, a deserving year. Um, and he's somebody that you can count on. He's going to play most of the, the year. He's going to bring it and give you, you know, that, that scoring when you need it. So I think he's a deserving choice, uh, even though the forwards might be a little weak this year. Quickly, before I wrap up, just a couple names I wanted to throw out there. I said the guards were stacked, and it's been a great year for guards. 
Damian Lillard, James Harden, Jalen Brunson. You know, those are just three names that that I really wanted to put on there, but just didn't quite make it. We're squeezed out. Of course, I mentioned Drew Holiday. And then you have the guys that are probably one of the 15 best, but just injury-wise, I think was hard to put on there. Kevin Durant only played 47 games, but I think you could make a strong choice for him just based on how insane his season was. He's the first 55-40-90 player ever in NBA history. So 55% from the field, 40% from three, 90% from the free throw line. And he averaged 29 points a game. So it's not like he was just, you know, taking five shots a game. But he was hurt most of the year. Only played 47 games, so that's a stretch. LeBron also missed a bunch. He played 55 games. I put AD on there. I think him and, him and LeBron would be sort of going up against each other. I, you could probably make the case for, for either one. Devin Booker, again, same idea. Uh, only played 53 games. Was hurt for a good chunk, but I think he's one of the best players in the league. And then the only other guy I wanted to shout out uh, was Laurie Markkinen. He had a great year, and I think he will most likely win most improved player. Uh, I know that's not a category I mentioned, but he would be my pick for most improved. It was kind of sad to see the Jazz kind of mail it in at the end. I know he didn't really play down the stretch, but being an all-star starter, making the, the gigantic leap he did this year, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes it uh, as one of the forward spots, but I, he just got squeezed out by a couple others. So I, I think that's, that's all the awards I wanted to mention. I know MVP is going to be the one that most people talk about, but I think All-NBA, Defensive Player of the Year, I think are also interesting as well. So we will hear those soon, but those are my picks for the NBA awards uh, in 2023. That will do it for the episode. Uh, we will actually be off this coming weekend, so we will be back uh, next Wednesday getting ready for a, a great uh, NBA playoffs. So the, the playoffs will have started. Uh, we'll be recapping all sorts of things from supporting cast rankings to who needs the, the playoffs the most. So make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, and we will see you next week.